some stories do truly just resonate with you. And Coach Nemo Washington's has to be one of those for a lot of athletes that have been told that they don't really have either what it takes anymore or they physically, due to injury or sickness or something, can't can't compete in the sport they love anymore, so they turn to coaching and helping others. Coach Washington details his heartfelt journey to coaching, his passion for it, and where his future lies in it in one of the most in-depth and honest discussions that have ever been had on this podcast. He talks about changing goals, talks about all his success as a coach, and all that lies ahead for him. And it was an absolute pleasure to dive into his story, talk about all of it, talk about his advice for young coaches, talk about everything he's accomplished and is going to. And I hope you guys enjoy it, and that'll all be after a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Liquid IV. Ambitious is presented by Liquid IV. Liquid IV is my go-to hydration and energy supplement. It is the top of the line for superior hydration. I personally drink Liquid IV every morning. It helps me get hydrated and energized to start my day, do my regular lifestyle, and do my athletic lifestyle. If I want to get a workout in, I drink Liquid IV beforehand. If I want to hit the books, I drink Liquid IV beforehand. It is a top-notch and good-for-you drink. It tastes delicious as well. My favorite flavor is the lemon ginger, but they have a Kai Berry. They have a limited time pear that they just came out with. They have passion fruit. They have so many varied flavors, so many different purposes. They have different supplements that can come that do different purposes, uh, more hydration focused, more energy focused, more workout focused. Whatever you need, Liquid IV can give it to you. It is a top notch product and it is ambitious approved and you should all go out and buy it right now check out liquid iv all over their social medias and at liquidiv.com to get you some liquid iv today get hydrated and get the best hydration you possibly can and do it with liquid iv now back to the show what is up and welcome to ambitious my name is dylan price today's guest was a former quarterback he coached at Bowie state and west virginia state and he is currently the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at wheeling university he's an excellent coach and a brilliant football mind excited to pick his football brain and his brain in general as a coach he is the incredible the incomparable coach nemo washington coach how's it going Doing good, Dylan. How are you, man? I appreciate you having me on. Doing good. The pleasure is all mine. Excited to get into this. Um, before we begin, though, I want to go back to your football background. When did you start playing? When did you realize you were in love with the game? Uh, probably when I was five or six. I got a crazy background. Like, no, my father was the biggest reason he um put a football in my hand. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia before I moved to Maryland. Uh, so playing, going as a Falcon fan, probably gave my brother and I, we're 11 months, two weeks apart, uh, football, backyard, literally playing um, that with us. Then we moved to Georgia at seven and six. And then my father, Charles, being a hardworking football, at like seven and six, no exaggeration, he was getting waking up at four in the morning, five in the morning, go run hills. And then after football games, I was on people at Little League, we hang out, we were literally, you know, just watching film. So. I thought that was a norm, and so it just always stuck with me, and that's where the love started uh, because of my father. Because he put that football in my hand and playing, doing the stuff, the waking up early, and I so it just kind of carried over. So he instilled that like grinder work ethic from the start. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, at six and seven, 
he was waking up at four in the morning to go run hills at the sports and learning complex in Landover, Maryland, played for the Petmo Pirates. And I'll never forget after our first ever game, my first contact game ever. Um, actually, I did well. I want to say I scored a touchdown. We lost the game, though. Instead of staying there, we came home and was literally watching the film, like on the video cassette, was rewinding, going forward at seven and six. So I just thought that was normal. And and it was been like that since, like, and it carried over, like just waking me up early uh, to wherever to drink a shake or, uh, uh, you know, running hills. And eventually he didn't have to do it for us no more once we got to high school. He probably had to do it. He did do it all the way up until probably high school. And we just did it on our own after that point. So when you were younger, he kind of had to instill that discipline and that drive from oh, the start. And then once yeah, well, you kind of got older. Yeah, for sure. Especially like at seven and eight, because, you know, I mean, he let us play, but it was like when he was in football season or training for it, like that was just what it was, I thought was normal. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, you know, other kids weren't doing it. Um, like he let us still be a kid, like the basketball season, he would leave us alone, go play our friends. But when it came like a month before football season, during football season, was waking up early um, before we was actually homeschooled too. So waking up before homeschool, doing it, doing stuff extra. So I just thought that was what you were supposed to do. I didn't think it was anything special. I just thought I was supposed to do that. Have you found in coaching and working with a lot of these kids now that that's kind of what the norm was for them? Or is it something that was really just the norm for you at that time? I think it varies. I, I mean, know um, some kids, our were like kind of like that. Um, then some kids are just naturally talented. And it was just they they developed that work maybe later in high school. It just depends. Um, I guess I ran into some who were just their father put it, put them in it, and you know. But then again, they could turn also. Sometimes I had noticed when sometimes the father is the one instilling into them. That may not be what the kid actually likes, and then sometimes that kid I. I it been situations I had a kid who stayed, and it's a situation that kid, as soon as he got to college, he was like, once his father was no longer the voice, he stopped playing. So it varied. Um, like I said, it just varies on the kid, in my opinion. Very interesting. So looking at you and your football journey, what was your trajectory like? I know you said you played quarterback and then you were coaching at Bowie State and West Virginia State. How did that all happen, and what was the process like um, from going from playing to coaching? Um, so I so I'm kind of young, so this all actually kind of all happened extremely fast. Like I'm, I'm one of the youngest coordinators in the country, so I'm 26. So I'm just not I'm just now being removed. So I graduated high school in 2012 to go to Bowie State to play. And what happened was I was playing. They thought I had a concussion, and they found I had a cyst in my brain called cholesterol granuloma. So I was ruled out my freshman year in 2012. Um, shout out to Coach Wilson, who we stayed instead of like you know taking me off scholarship and putting me off the team, or you know, he just said, All right, what I'm gonna do with you is as a true freshman, I'm gonna let you sit in the meetings, um, and sit in coaches' meetings and maybe a GA. And okay, cool, did that for the fall semester, got cleared to play spring 2013, played, and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to grade wise, got an eligible to. So Thursday comes, coach does the same thing. He's like, hey, uh, you know you can't um, play. And I don't know, I was scholarship because my grade, I want you to be to, you know, help film. And you can, uh, you know, you'll learn, you know, from there. So I did that for the entire fall. 
So all right, I've basically been the fall as a video coordinator, filming every practice, every game. That was my job. 2014 comes, all right, uh, that spring of 2014 comes, I think I'm ready to play. And that's my shoulder up. So I missed spring ball, but I'm still ready. 2014 comes that fall, I'm ready to compete. I'm competing, doing pretty well. I'm in a battle to be the starting quarterback. And the system, my brain grows back. And the doctor recommended that I don't play football anymore. They said, you should, you should stop. So 2014, with that happening, uh, the coach, I put a mother cap on your GA, your GA. Um, so I was basically a GA while it's 2014. So I'm GA, I'm a signal guy. I got to be all coaches meetings and player meetings, running the scout team, helping draw scout cards. All right. And then, so I'm thinking I'm just about to do this regardless. Then that spring, all of a sudden, I don't know, like I said, I'm a firm believer of God. Um, the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but your your cyst, which was the size of a baseball first, has shrunk into the size of a grape. And you can try to play if you want. Wow. So I said, cool, I'm going to play. Play 2015 spring, did really well. Um, thought I did well enough to start. So playing 2015, started as a receiver. Not any start, but they put me at receiver. Um, like I said, I was a quarterback. But then something happened to the two quarterbacks in front of me. I became the quarterback and actually got all American that year. I got a national freshman of the year. Wow. It's technically my freshman, my clock didn't start. Made it to a conference championship. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm back on track to play football. Got all American, like I said, got um HBCU national freshman of the year with another guy. Um, so everything was on a high. 2016 comes. I'm going in, you know, regarded one of the top quarterbacks in the country because of what I did in uh in a short amount of time and tear my knee during camp. So another injury, another setback. Uh, it's like now my mind's spinning. So I'm out for the entire year. The coach is, hey, um, go ahead, be a coach again. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but in my mind, I, ain't, I didn't accept it as well this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get back. I had a taste of it. What kind of helped me really accept it is the guy that, that was behind me who became a star, who actually I helped mentor, and he tells me all the time, but it, he became probably one of the best quarterbacks ever in all Division two wow. of all time. Um, so, of course, the, at a year ended, because I didn't, like, I didn't set the GA role as much this time. I was like, I was kind of mad, not really doing my post fashion. I actually got in trouble. Um, he said, we're going to go with him. He's younger. You know what I mean? But I, w- I want you around, but I want you to coach. Like, you know what? I kind of by the end of time, I kind of said, like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of getting hurt anyway. And from 2016, well, after that year, 2017 spring, since then, I've been a GA, a GA at Bowie, um, quarterback, uh, coach, GA quarterback coach. Um, that was my first year, no money, of course. Um, still a student, you know what I mean? We had a really good year. Had no offense in the nation. And Coach Mo, where averaging five point four points a game. Wow. That was the number one D one and D two. Um, then 2018 came. Um, they wanted me to bring some of the stuff we did at Bowie, West Virginia State. Became the fastest coordinator, receiver coach. Um, I took it, but I only was getting paid six thousand dollars for the entire year. I was like, it's my first paying job. Mm-hmm. Take it. And then did well up there. Uh, first back to back winning seasons. Then Bowie said they wanted to pay me to come back. It was only paying 15, but I say it's better than this. I'll take it. We had another good year, went 11 and 1. And then um, Willing came calling, office coordinator job. So, of course, the money's a lot different. Uh, 
the guys was good. Uh, so that's that's basically my story, like my track about all and out. Wow. So it sounds like the lots unravel there, but it sounds like. You know, a lot kept happening, and unfortunately, yes, you did get hurt. You had the cyst in your brain. But it was almost like, you know, you said you're a firm believer in God. It was almost like God was pushing you towards being a coach, whether you realized it or not at the time, and everything just kind of kept, here, try to be a coach. Oh, well, I still want to play, and kind of like an internal battle almost. Uh, I think I 1,000% agree with you. I think my, my mom was trying to tell me that uh, some, I just I, I felt like God was really saying, hey, I want you to be a coach, but I didn't want to hear it. Because um, mm-hmm. I remember I was a kid. I remember parents say, "I'm gonna make you." I'm, the, I'm, I like know this. When I say this, is there's no exaggeration. Not coming off, you know, trying to be arrogant. I just remember one day I was in church and went to Reed Temple, uh, AME Church, and I can remember this day so vividly. Um, it was like my my. It was out like my freshman year. I go to I'm in church, and it was just pastor who was kind of like a prophet, and we sitting in the church. He's calling people out, and I ain't gonna lie. I'm like, this is kind of some BS. With all due respect, forgive me, God. He's because he's calling people. Hey, uh, there's a lady in here who has cancer, and he's pointing at the people, right? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, "Yeah, you had it." And they like, and my mom, like, it must be going along with this. And they fall out and whatnot. Like, is it, was it somebody whose son just got out of jail, and he's going to people? And I'm like, in my mind, literally, I'm watching it, right? I'm like, this is kind of like, because they made everybody in the church come up to the front. And then I'm saying, like, this is, in my mind, like, this is going along with it. It's kind of BS. Mm-hmm. I believe in God. I'm like, this is like, but he keeps screwing over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I pray he don't, I mean, I said, he ain't coming to me because I don't believe this. Mm-hmm. He looks, when I mean, I mean, goes to one lady, he looks directly at me. And I'm like, he said, God's going to make you your name. Do you, do you play football? And I'm like, and I start instantly crying. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I'm like, I've never had a photo spirit. I like instantly started crying. His name's Reverend Amari Hughes, actually. I, and he said, you play football. And I'm like, I just start crying. He said, God's going to make your name great. And and so when I, I remember that day, I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be good. Because mm-hmm. I was the I had a that was my freshman year, the crusher grain. I'm like, oh, so I'm gonna be able to play football. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be good at it. But it wasn't how I thought it was gonna be, if you make if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'll never forget that day in my life. It was because I'm like, yeah, I've just been there, like you said, I guess I was battling internally thinking that God wanted me to play, but he really wanted me to coach. So He wanted you to be great as a coach in football. And yeah. you're well on your way to that. You mentioned twenty six year old you're one of the youngest coordinators, I think, in the country. I would have to say mm-hmm. twenty six years old. Yes, sir. And you're on a pathway already to being one of those and it's well aware in the NFL spectrum, but the Sean McVeigh's, the Kyle Shanahan's, these young coordinators who get coaching gigs, and you're on your way to becoming that already at twenty six years old. Does that ever I guess amaze you where you sit back and go, wow, this journey has gone a lot quicker than you could have expected? Uh, not really, because I, it's always been a humbling. There's always something to humble me, mm-hmm. um, I guess. Like, you think, like I said, um, I got this job, but this, to get to this point, ain't nothing been humbling. I went from mm-hmm. one year making $0, then $6,000, and then $15,000. And then while in between, the, the years I made 0 and $6,000, Six thousands. I couldn't even work another job, mm-hmm. and then I was getting paid fifteen thousand dollars. I was working two other jobs, so like, 
Like, I'm like, what am I doing this for? Now I get this job, of course, a lot more money, but it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta work now. So it was like, and then I got like, I got great staff to help, but it's always something humbling, you know, like this past year in the stream, we played, we did some good things and then we made some North Division championship and then we got smacked and it made me realize you got a lot of work to do. So it made me think like, if I wasn't thinking like that, cause it's like those guys, they, he's on a different level, Shanahan, different level. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I haven't did anything yet. You know what I mean? I just. And of course, people try to say that to me. Hey, man, hey, it's crazy. You're, you're young. You're doing it. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't get here by myself. It literally was God, and then other people played help placing me to get to this point. So I haven't really. Every time I, I mean, I, I can't. I don't have time to think of it. And then there's something literally always humbling. Mm-hmm. Like, this, really, no, you still got more work to do. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Have you found that that, uh, and keep going back to that work ethic, but that grinder mentality that you had as a young kid of watching film so much, has that translated over to coaching as well, where you spend a lot of your free time watching film, kind of trying to adapt and fix things and maybe adapt things to your talent and kind of go about that way? Oh, absolutely. Especially if you said, you said something, adapt talent. Um, that's my biggest thing. I know some people have these systems where they say, all right, you wanna, we're going to stick to the system. My biggest thing is no. If I don't have the, the guys to run this system, I'm changing the system. You know what I'm saying? So, and then that, hell, hell yeah. Uh, excuse my language. Absolutely, in terms of the work ethic, watching film. Um, I'm always watching film. It was from my head coach. was like, hey, man, you start going to sleep. Coach Jack Brown, he said, you need like, seriously, go to bed. Like, and I was like, coach, I tried, but it, it just won my I've been doing this since I was five, waking up. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not because I did it. My dad did it, so I thought it was normal. I thought it was supposed to be. And he, my dad was a grinder with what he did. So it was like, it just natural. So I'm like, no, I'm always up late. I'm always waking up early. Um, people always ask, like, when do you sleep or when do you even get rest? Because then you're always on the move recruiting as well. But yeah, the, with the film, is that work ethic for as a child has definitely helped carry big time to, where, to, get, to get to where I'm at. I wouldn't be here without that, no doubt in my mind. Now, in everything you've done to this point, hard work, work ethic, have there been points where, I know you mentioned a lot of the, about the playing-wise, but from a coaching perspective, have there been points where it's been hard to keep going, especially with the pandemic the last year and everything? Has it been... I guess, difficult, especially the last year and a half, but even going back to when you began coaching, have there been points where it's been hard for you to keep going and you've had, I guess, a hard time finding the motivation to keep going? I think that was the pandemic. Um, because the year, so I came back to Bowie 2019, I got paid $15,000 for that year. <laughs> pandemic hit. After the pandemic, so I, I got paid for the season, but we come to spring ball, pandemic hit, they didn't pay me. And so I'm sitting there, but I'm thinking that like, you still, still, we still want you to work. And of course it's like, all right, bump it. I do. I love it. So, and then it was like, okay, people didn't understand it. Cause I got a fiance and granted this, I'm living in my parents' home. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm living in my parents' home. It's like, so this 2020 when that pandemic hit and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not getting paid right now. Um, cause I'm not a full-time coach yet. And then they kept saying, all right, once we'll be good during camp, fall camp going to come. So I'm sitting there training guys, use my own money, you know, go to, go to workouts and stuff. And then I finally get another job working at Amazon and go overnight, switching up the rotation. 
And then they say the season's canceled. We still practice. I'm like, okay, well, well, I'm gonna get paid for a season. No, you're not. So I'm still working Amazon and gold, and still doing my football duties, meeting with guys through Zoom, trying to get them through workouts, going to practice. But then from 12:50 a.m. to 11:50 a.m. at Amazon, and then from uh, 12:30 p.m. to three, I'm working at Golds, and then from four to seven, I'm doing boot stuff so yes it was hard I, it was like extremely hard I almost almost did stop because then when you especially live at your parents home 26 or well, 25 going to 26 which i am now but like i don't know man you might want to you know what else you want to do besides football i used to always go back like no guys that'll be good and just write it down like you know he ain't gonna lie to me but yeah it was hard i was the moment i almost stopped is when his job came available and it became calling. And so the thing I didn't, because I was close. I was so close. Like, I think the pandemic, like, I wasn't done with football. So maybe I'll just train and try to get my name, but I was definitely almost done. Like, this coach thing not worth any money. Like, my, my, and especially when you got a brother, like, a younger brother who's married, had his own house. You got a younger sister who's in grad school, got her own apartment. And I'm the older brother chasing a dream that's what it, what it is mm-hmm. and still living at home so yeah it was hard well i commend you for keeping on going and it's awesome how things have kind of worked that you had that opportunity at the same time you know it seemed like the light was hard to find at the end of the tunnel but you found it you're at a great job now and you're doing amazing things at wheeling so i want to talk a little bit about that and what the future for you holds at wheeling going into next season and everything on the table for you guys what are your expectations for next season what are you excited about and what are you looking to change after the last season i know you mentioned division champs but you did get smacked around towards the back half your words not mine <laughs> yeah no you good man um like well well we well we didn't we weren't we were the, we made it to our northern division championship mm-hmm. and we ended up playing the, the number one team in division two this spring and that was notre dame they beat us bad um i'll just say the score because that's what it was 55 7 and one and the thing is though missing our starting quarterback missing our starting running back and our three receivers got hurt is that an excuse no but it was reality what that let me know is we need to build depth and that's the biggest thing this offseason was finding depth for when injuries do happen to play against a team like that. Um, um, I'm expecting big things um, this year, this fall. Uh, you know, especially it's not going to be a COVID year. Um, our O-line coach, Jason Emmerich, has done a hell of a job. We're on, on, on our head coach, is Zach, Coach Zach Bruni, in the direction of this program. He's driving in this vision. Um, he's done a great job. Uh, Mike Gaiman, our defensive coordinator, uh, our defense had the most to turnovers, create, create the most turnovers in the spring. Um, and then our linebackers coach, Coach Jacob Ture, our D, uh, D-line coach, um, Zach Connor. Um, the staff has been working hard. So I, I think we're going to have a good year. We're trying to fill in um, some spots right now, running back coach. But I'm very excited for players. We've got a couple good transfers coming in. Got NAI All-American coming in to us, which is going to be big um, to go along with our receiving core. But you already had two all-conference guys in there. Um, I'm excited because I think it's been a team effort. Um, you know, Willing just started about three years ago, and to see where it's at, where they went one and ten, 2019, to play in the Northern Division Championship this COVID spring, which is big for a program like us. And now we're no longer sneaking up on anybody. anybody. People were the you know the excitement that we're generating as a staff, the hard work that we've all put in coming together. I'm I'm extremely excited. Um, 
I like to see, you know, I just want, now we got to do it. I mean, on paper, it looks great. But as you know, that's why you play the game. Mm-hmm. But we, I can, one thing I can guarantee is that if we have injuries like we did in the spring, the depth is so much better. We're that, I think as a staff, that's the one thing we all like. We're, we're deep. You know, we're not hiding it. We're excited about it. Um, so if somebody goes down, we're, we're, the bullet's right there. The next bullet's right there. It could be younger or better. could be older or better. Um, and that's what I'm excited about. What have you learned from last year and even pulling back from some of your past experiences? What have you learned from when you started coaching and I guess to what you've learned now, how you've adapted and how you've kind of changed who you are as a coach over time? I think the one thing, um, you said it in, I think the biggest thing I learned is you have to adapt as a coach. Um, and I think that um, that's why a lot of young coaches are moving up quicker now mm-hmm. because, you know, some people – um, with all the respect to the OGs, because they paved the way, sometimes they don't like to adapt. The best ones adapt. Like Nick Saban, he said, um, you know, back then, and Nick Saban said all the time, back then, defense wins championships. But that's no longer the case. Offense wins championships. You get what I'm saying? Um, this past Super Bowl was an anomaly, though. This was the first time in the Super Bowl in a minute where it was like, okay, the defense actually won it. Um, in terms of now, Tom Brady did his thing because he was Super MVP, but mm-hmm. that defense played a hell of a game by talking yeah. under five goals. But the offense is now was running it, and then also adapting to how players are. Um, just younger generation. I'm not too much older than them, even though I don't like some of the stuff they do. But I get it in terms of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, playing that game with social media, making sure they have the graphics that they want, but still being on them. Um, then talk about a system. I made. I was coming from Bowie. I'm a quarterback. I'm gonna throw the ball all over the place. But if I got, I had a quarterback, I had a freshman quarterback at that in the spring who was a guy that needed to do RPOs, and we need to have a good run game. So I had to put my mindset up and like, hey, all right, we probably can't aerate it out like we want to because that's maybe too much of it. And I think I learned that from Coach Bruni here and Coach Wilson uh, at Bowie State. Like, just like, hey, no, you got to go with your personnel. You got to be personnel driven. You don't. You got to adapt to what you have. And if you don't adapt, you'll be out of job. I think that's when sometimes when you see people get fired, it's because they have didn't do a great job of adapting. And I think that's the one thing I learned. I need to keep learning is always find new ways to adapt. Would you say you would rather run that air raid system, or is the RPO kind of now that you got a taste of it something you want to stick with? I think, to be honest with you, I think I'll never, I'll never uh, stop loving throwing the ball around. But I will say this though, I'm all about winning. Um, like, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, hey, you, you whatever's winning, you do. I, to me, I would say this. I will be on the moment I, I get get back to that, uh, get some guys and that five wide, I get that quarterback who can take it, or oh, you will see that five wide come out. Um, but I guess I'm not afraid to, like, okay, RPO, good run game, because it, it, it gave us success. Average 26, 7 points, points a game. And then the pass game was still there because we were still number two in passing touchdowns in the conference. Set the school record points. It, it'll come, but you got to do what's best. Um, do I love to throw the ball around? Do I love to throw it around like six or seven times a game? Absolutely. But I understand that ain't going to be – if that's not what I – the personnel I have, I can't do it. Or I'll be out of a job. Now, looking at some of your influences as a coach at this point in your career, are there guys that you look up to and kind of look to to pull certain aspects of how they coach and how they lead? And there are, are there also guys you look to from a personnel perspective and how they manage their guys and how they look to utilize them in different ways and unique ways? Uh, yeah, I'll say, I mean, 
if somebody I may look up to in terms of like personnel, I mean personnel. I think I, well, I, mean, I pick from everybody I work with. I always pick some from like my and like I played for a guy named Coach Moses. Uh, Coach Moses Ware, who's now in Titans coach in Oakland Central. He's my OC, and when I was his GA, that was he was a guy that had no one off some country. Um, he was the one that exposed me to that throw around system. But then again, he had a twelve hundred yard running back at that, even though he still threw for three sixty a game. Um, so I just pull anybody I work with. I pull if I say who's my favorite. Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite, but I can pull from everybody. I watch film with everybody. I love, um, of course. I, I, I mean, I love what, seeing what Kansas City does. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, it's crazy. So I always do this, like especially when the season. I did it since you know I was assistant coach. I did it last year. As soon as the season's done or whatever, like in the summertime, I'll pick a month and during the camp season, I'll travel with my Xbox. I'll play Madden because I'll say Madden's done a better job of putting real things into the game and play it, but not play it for just the fun, to play to see what people says. I'll use different teams to see with, okay. And then I got something to film to match it up with to know what I'm saying. Okay, I did see this. You know what I mean? Um I love, I love watching the college game when I can, but I that you do that, you know, when you're on the bus or something or after the season. Um, but yeah, I pull from a lot of people. I can't really say who's my exact favorite. I definitely love what the Chiefs doing are doing. Um McVay has done a good job, obviously. Um uh, I guess college wise, I love watching anybody that comes in Alabama because that just shows when you have the tools, you can do whatever you want, to be honest with you. Then I love watching the lower schools, honestly. Um, I'm excited to see what Gus Malzahn, Malzahn, Malzahn do, does down UCF because he, he had an interesting offense in off Auburn. So it just picked from anybody. I can't say I don't have like a favorite guy to watch, but I, oh, I lean on a lot of people. I have different mentors. Um, like Winston October, the um, past coordinator for the Edmonton Eskimos, he does a great job. He's a guy that I lean on, I can call anytime. Um, hey, coach, coach Wilson, I lean on him. It just depends. I, I definitely have some great mentors that I lean on for advice, but scheme wise, that's just I'll pick anybody. Like I said, I'll play Madden, leaving that to find some different schemes. From a coaching perspective, strictly and more of a motivator kind of lens, are there different things that you notice that have developed within you over time as you've kind of grown into this role as a leader and as a motivator, or do you feel you're more of a I mean, I think you can kind of look at the league as a prime example of that as a contrast in styles. I mentioned that Shanahan McVay style earlier where they're leaders, but you can also see them tend to be more um, analytical, more based on, you know, running it, how they planned it out, how they have a different role for this, different role for that. And that coaching tree versus some of the older guys like the Sabins and the Belichicks who rely more on knowing they're what they're going to do, but also being a motivator as well. Do you, oh, yeah. do you notice which style you've kind of grown into over time now? Now, as more of a motivator, as more of that, um, you know, by the book, analytical, adapting your offense? Uh, that's, that's a good question, actually. And then I'll probably add, add Mike Tom, who's a more of a motivator style yes. instead of the X and O style. Um, I think Saban has done a better job than Bill Belichick. No, there's no district. Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. So when I say this, I don't want to be like, you know, a criminal. I think Saban has done a better job of leading me towards the. Let me say, I don't know if Saban. 
has himself leaned towards the analytical, but he has hired the right people to lean mm-hmm. towards analytical, and he has still been the motivator part, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, that it, it's, it's like you got to find your style. I found I got to somehow be in the middle. Um, but then again, I, it just depends where I'm at. Like at Bowie, as a, when I was a receiver coach, under when I was working as a receiver coach, the OC was named Tyree. He was a guy who was mild, you know, mild mannered guy. Um, cause I'm, a, I'm an XO guy, but since he was so mild mannered and he was mild mannered, analytical, um, he was chill. The offense needed like an energy motivator guy. And that was my role in that because he could be the X and O guy. I could be it too. But my main thing was for that team was to be the XO guy. Here I willing, um, I have a guy who's firing X and O in my O-line coach. Then Coach Bruni is a fiery guy as well. So I catch myself sometimes. I don't got to be as motivated so I can just stick to the analytical um, or like just the X and O being scheme. Um, I think we all rotate with that because I give, I give them before we walk out or off, I give the speeches. So then I'm fired up. But then sometimes out I notice if I get too fired up, it's, it takes me a minute to calm down. Uh, to get my mind back sobered up into like, all right, let's let me out scheme somebody. Like, I feel like we started slow with West Liberty because I did, I felt like they were one of my better speeches, but we came out slow because I think I was too hyped up energy wise. So, I got it's, it's about finding the right balance mm-hmm. and then find out, okay, if I can't do the motivation, who can I put to be that motivator guy? You know what I'm saying? Um, or who can I, if I want to be the motivator guy, who can I trust to be a schemer guy at the time so I calm down? If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's a great perspective on it. Do you think now, looking a little bit ahead, obviously, but if you get it to that point, I assume the goal, I feel like it for any coach now is to continue to work, you know, do your best at each stop, but work towards becoming a head coach. Is that the ultimate goal, obviously, I guess? Oh, now it is. At first it wasn't because what you realize, especially at the college and NFL level, um, the, the head coaches you know, sometimes, a lot of times, aren't doing football stuff. They're doing everything else. Mm-hmm. They're doing everything just to make, get to game day. And they're hiring people to put in place to get the team ready. And they manage everything else. Um, at first, I was like, nah, I'll never. Now, though, after watching three good head coaches, um, oh, yeah, I'll definitely be a head coach. That's the ultimate goal. Because I think I eventually want to step away. I want to do the marketing or get everything else ready. And I'll put people in place. To run it, I won't be. I don't want to be. Actually, if I come head coach, I don't want to be a head coach that still calls plays as well. I just let my my. If I hire somebody to be a coordinator, do it. You know what I mean? Like that's your job. Um, and there's nothing against guys who do it because McVay does that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He has office. People don't know that McVay, Sean McVay has an office coordinator mm-hmm. um, on that team. He just McVay calls the plays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now the office gets the credit, but still. Um, but it could that works for McVay because he he did what got him there. And and you have to do what gets you. I think sometimes, I think it's a give and take. Like some coaches, they, be, they get the job for being a great head coach. You get there, and then they don't call any plays, and now they're fired. So I think it's a give and take. I just think for me personally, I wouldn't want to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let you do it unless I have to. You know what I mean? If I feel like I have to, it means I did a bad job hiring the right guy. So as you work towards being that head coach, do you think that once you get to that point, especially now, you kind of answered it, but with not calling plays, do you think you'll be able to kind of thrive more in that motivator leadership role and kind of get the guys hyped and be able to keep that juice throughout the game? 
Oh, I think absolutely, because I think that's who I'm naturally. I'm, I'm an energy guy uh, naturally. Uh, when especially comes to sports, I'm so competitive. Mm-hmm. I think I'll be just fine. I think I, I, I can do that. Um, I think that's just if something a gift from God. Um, like even as a, when I was a passing coordinator in GA at West Virginia State, I gave the speeches for our um, like our team before a game, and it was because our head coach entrusted me to that. He allowed me to be there because he was that guy. Because the head coach that was the state, he was like he was the old coordinator as well, and he used they he used to do it. And then he, when he saw he said he, he felt like I could do it, I gave one speech. He said you're doing it for now on. And I was like cool, and I guess it was because. He can trust me to be an energy guy and what he had to do it. And he can just solely focus on with a sober mind, you know, uh, calling plays. When you look at the journey that it's taken you to get here and everything you've accomplished to this point and what lies ahead for you, which we've kind of covered all of that throughout the duration of this, what kind of, how does that make you feel? And how, do you truly believe that this is your calling and what you were put on this earth to do? I know we've kind of talked about that and, I more about how does that make you feel? Like, do you get that fire in your stomach every day? You get ready to go to work. Oh, absolutely! Because I just know I really shouldn't be here. You know what I mean? I know I'm called to do it, but the stuff I've been through, all right, the stuff like I seen, like, like I didn't go into that detail. But when I coached, you get hurt again. I was when I decided to accept the GA's role at first. When I got hurt, I was depressed. You know what I mean? A couple thoughts went through my head. You know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Being a garbage man, working at Amazon, working those three jobs, especially during the pandemic. So I'll never take this for granted. You know what I mean? I, I shouldn't be here, in my opinion. Like, but God, hum- God just gracious enough. And I was humble enough about that other people thought I was worthy enough to even be in this place. Like, you don't get that many people like I me. Mean, like, I'm 26, they say, oh, you can be the coordinator. You know what I mean? Or a, a Division II program in a top Division II conference. That's just, you know, and I don't take that lightly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a blessing to be here. Um, so I do believe I was called, but I also, I believe I was called, but I don't believe I should be here. I don't know if I, I truly deserve it, but I'm just glad I was called to be here. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, I think, especially the journey you went through. It can make sense why you think that, but I think if, if you listen back to this from the outside perspective, you understand why you got all the opportunities you've gotten because listening to you talk ball and then listening to you talk, though, just about your team and everything you put around you, you're not you're not arrogant. You're not talking like, oh, well, I do this. I do that. You're you're I think lifting everybody else up. And I think if you can do that as a coach, I think that's what you were put on this earth to do from just listening to you talk about this. Uh, I truly believe that. I appreciate that. Huh? I really do. So I want to talk a little bit about, I mentioned, I heard you, I caught it, you're a Falcons fan. They hired a guy I love, though. They hired Coach Arthur Smith, who's a guy who did an awesome job at Tennessee utilizing those tools, and he comes from a family where he was a, I, a lot of background on him because I was I'm a big Jets fan, didn't know mm-hmm. if he'd end up the Jets guy, they got Sal, who I love, but Smith, a guy who comes from money. And focus, though, on building himself as a leader, working through all these jobs, working through the hard way to get to this point. He's done a lot of things unorthodox. He studied generals to become a better leader, and he's just a big diversified skill set. So he's a guy I'm high on, so I got to know. Are you high on him? Are you excited for what the future of Atlanta looks like? Oh, my. So 
and you know, so it's crazy. Some people like uh, other coaches in the business. The one thing I'm not ashamed of, I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan mm-hmm. uh, NFL, sports, basketball. I'm definitely excited about um, Arthur Smith. I'm almost just kind of disappointed that we traded Julio because, like you said, I've watched what he did in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And what he did with Tennessee with those two receivers, which at the time was Corey Davis and uh, A.J. Brown. And then they had uh, the guy that's in New England now. Got his name tight end, and then they had Derrick Henry. Um, and he did a phenomenal job with Tannehill. He proved to me what I already knew. He proved to people what I already knew about Tannehill. I thought Tannehill was a great quarterback. Like, oh, he's sorry, but to Arthur Smith said, All right, I'm gonna show you how good he was. And he did a great job there three years. So I was excited. I'm excited to see what we do now because I, I guess I was it as a, from a fan's perspective, I have to, you know, from a fan's perspective, when I saw that we drafted Cal Pitts. I thought we was going for it all because you're saying, hey, this is Matt Ryan's last year. We got a coach who can dial it up. Um, we got Julio on one side, Calvin on the other, Cal Pitts in the middle. And then we trade Julio. So now I'm just, I was wondering, okay, is this like, what, are we rebuilding now because of that? Um, I thought we could have got something and we should have drafted a quarterback. But I'm excited. Uh, for the future. I'm, I mean, jokingly, I've been telling people I'm a Tennessee Titan fan for the year, <laughs> only the year, but no, I'm, I'm excited. I love Arthur Smith. And it's funny you say that because I, I, I just started hearing that and looking up what, how he's, the way he studied, he, he finds different things outside of the Titan football, which sometimes you need, especially when you got, you go to a place where you had some old veterans who need to hear something from it because the same message sometimes gets rep- repetitive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Matt Ryan may need a, a different, uh, something to jump, jump, jump to his uh, in his life. You know what I mean? Help him out. Um, but I'm definitely excited to see what we do. Um, especially the Bucks in our division. I don't see us being. I think there's no reason why we should be the number two team in our division. Realistically, unrealistically, we're winning the whole thing. You know what I mean? That's just me <laughs> joking around. But uh, I think I'm excited to see what he does this year. Now, before we get ready to close out here, one thing I heard you mention before is you attended the HBCU, and it's something that over the past year or so with the HBCU Bowl that they just brought in, and more opportunities are being granted to HBCUs. How does that make you feel? Are you excited about the future of those universities, and do you think that them getting on more of an equal playing field and getting those opportunities that some of the other schools have gotten is going to be uh, really good for the sport? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't work at HBCU now, but I went to HBCU, mm-hmm. uh, played at HBCU, worked there, school there, agree there. Um, yes, I, I'm excited. I used to write for them called HBCU Game Day. Um, it was a popular, very popular now uh, website that covers all HBCU sports. I think it's a good thing, especially what Deion Sanders is doing. Um, it's a great opportunity. He has done a great job bringing attention. Um, to it, and I think he's bringing attention to what some HBCU coaches have done. Uh, one in particular, I, I want, want to shout him out is Coach Anton Sewell, the defense coordinator at Bowie State. I think because of what Deion Sanders brought attention to there, people are look at Bowie State more, which is Bowie State is a top 10 team in all Division two. And Coach Anton Sewell has done a hell of a job with that defense, top 10 overall. So he'll get seen. Only thing I don't want to see happen is, um, I don't want to see just like with Deion Sanders, he was more deserving for the job. Deion Sanders mm-hmm. coached, at, he was an offensive coordinator in Texas. With Texas, we all know high school football, that's big. Mm-hmm. So he earned, in my opinion, he deserved his job. Um, 
what I do don't want though is just I see like some NFL guys just sitting at home and say I want to coach one day without having no experience, and then just because ABCs want to have more um, attention come to them, they uh, say let me just hire such and such. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. nothing against anybody. I just feel like you got to earn your way because I think the tension there, there is talent in that all over in HBC football. Um, and the tension Deion Sanders brought, like, I mean, people saw it in the spring. They didn't win every game. You know what I mean? And, and they, I think, got exposed to some great HBC coaches that are down there. And, and it's going to continue to because, like, I think it'll be a good show when they play against Florida AM first game of the season, like with that bowl game. That's going to be on ESPN2, not ESPN3 or you. Um, That'll be huge. I just don't want to see like just people sitting at home and say, "Let me just go jump into that," because it's not easy. There's some talent in there, and if you go in there playing around, shoot, you you get your tail kicked. And, and so, shout out to all the coaches down there, the players down there. I'm looking forward to seeing certain players get drafted this year, um, because you know the attention that's going to be brought to that to that you know that brand of football. And honestly, I don't want to call it a brand of football. It's just football at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't, it should, in my opinion, it shouldn't be just looked at as HBCU football. It's a shame that it is, in my opinion. It's one thing to say HBCU football or HBCU culture. If it's football, just say it's football. So I think that's the problem why it doesn't get looked at so serious because they say it's HBCU football instead of, oh, that's just a good football team. Yeah. You want to say HBCU culture? I get you. Go on the campus. But just call, let's say, hey, no, it's some good football being played down there. I think that's on, honestly, us the HBCU people who went to school there. I think we should stop doing it. Because mm-hmm. if we stop doing it, everybody else will stop doing it, if that makes sense. We can't just you say, oh, why are we not? Because we almost, it's kind of like we're discrediting ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is HBCU football. No, look, this is some good football we're playing out here. Leave it at that. That's just my opinion on it. That's a very, very good opinion about it. And I think that's the way things are going to trend now, especially with the more incorporated everything's gotten and uh, more opportunities they've gotten. So one question I got to ask you before we close out here, I ask every guest who comes on this show this, it's a big question, but when it's all said and done, your life, your career, everything, what do you want your legacy to have been? Hopefully the guy, my legacy is the guy that he always... No matter if he could or could not, he tried to help someone else. Like he that that, that if I can remember because of that, they were like he literally tried. Um, cause I know I've always been saying oh, you, you stress so much, you try to help everybody. How about that? Because people help me, so mm-hmm. I have I have no choice but to. So my legacy is that when it's all said and done, I said, man, when Nemo dies, he at least tried to help everybody. He tried to help me. Like I'd rather when it comes to funerals. They say the stories are, oh, man, he, I remember he tried to get me here. He tried to get me to school here. He tried, you know, we tried to put me on here. You know what I mean? And then, or help me get to this point. If I can get that, that was cool. I mean, because like winning and stuff, that'll take care of itself if, I, if we're even good enough. I think that's when we come to the staff. And I have a great staff here. The ball, great ball. So, but if I didn't say, yeah, he helped me out, I'll be cool with that. That's a great legacy to want to leave, and it especially explains why you uh, wanted to become a coach because of helping someone out. That's a great, great answer. Before we close out, I do want to give you the opportunity to roll out the red carpet, plug all your social medias, plug the school social medias so that everybody can keep up and see all the great things you're doing with the school and all the great things you're doing yourself and uh, the journey you are on. So the floor is yours. Plug away. Man, you can follow our school, uh, our school on Twitter. Plus, school football program, Willing, W H E E L I N G, um, U underscore football. 
On Twitter, I'm Coach Nemo Washington. Um, on Instagram, I'm Coach Nemo Washington. Definitely check out that football um, page on Twitter. Some good, some good thing, uh, things on there. We got a camp coming just July 17th. Um, then we got first game. Uh, whenever uh, the podcast comes out, first game September 2nd, going against the great Seton Hill team. Uh, check out the staff, man. We got some good guys. Shout out to Coach Zach Bruni on Twitter, Coach Mike Gaiman. Our defensive coordinator on Twitter. Uh, got O line coach Jason Emery that's on Twitter. Uh, Jacob Trey, awesome young linebacker coach. Uh, Zach Connor, awesome young D line coach. Um, then we're looking to hire a running back coach within a couple of days, man. All those guys, man. They some great dudes, man. Y'all, y'all got, you got to meet them. And then uh, and that's pretty much it, man. Uh, shout out to my family. Shout out to my fiance, Joe. Well, Coach, it was an absolute pleasure, and uh, everybody go check all those great people out. And uh, thanks again to uh, Coach Nemo Washington. My thanks once again to Coach Washington for hopping on the pod. It was an absolute privilege to talk to him and learn his story and detail it for all of you to enjoy. And if you enjoyed this, I hope you check out More Ambitious. You can find us on Instagram at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter at Ambitious with DP, and YouTube Ambitious with Dylan Price. Have a great week, Ambitious listeners, and we'll be back next week with another episode.